It's Jared's turn tonight. Let's give him a good warm hand as he comes to deliver the word of the Lord for us tonight. Are you ready, sir? Amen. Hello. It's easier than it looks. Or harder than it looks. I, um, TJ was taking up the offering and I was, I don't, you know, I'm not one of these people that does social media all the time because I have a life. Um, Um, but I did see something today that I thought was awesome. Have you ever seen those, uh, those posts where people say, you know, uh, money's coming your way and good things are going to happen in your life if you, if you t- type amen and share and all that stuff, right? Well, I, I saw a really profound one. It was awesome. It says more money will come your way this week. And where it says type amen, if you type amen and share, it scratched through it. He said, more money will come your way this week if you worked last week. <laughs> so I bless you with that in Jesus' name. If you, if you need money, work. And it's amazing. I, I, I had another one. There's a guy sitting at a desk, and he's, I guess he's there for a job interview. And it says... Uh, it said, so why do you want this job? And underneath it has the guy's response, I've always just been really passionate about not starving to death. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, not funny to you guys, it's funny to me, okay. I'm going to talk on, on prophetic worship tonight. Um, we've been talking about apostolic hubs and uh, revival hubs. And, and I'm, I'm not gonna, not gonna go through through all of that. But we came we came through that, and, and how centers focused on digging and maintaining a a rich well of revival, spirit led ministry. It's, it's used to be uh, supposed to be unto equipping or awakening and societal transformation. It's a base of tactical operation, organization, and deployment. Uh, we talked about how all five of the giftings are vital in an apostolic hub or a revival hub, that, that all five parts are, are crucial for equipping the saints, that they, they father, impart, equip, activate, and then they send. Then Dina uh, spoke to us about intercession and how uh, intercession is simply standing in the gap in prayers for another person, place, region, family, or ministry. Intercession is an aggressive wall of prayer, it's pushing back the evil strategies of hell, unlocking the glorious exploits of heaven. I like that. It's pushing back the evil strategies of hell and unlocking the glorious exploits of heaven, doing battle for assigned territories and for peoples. So as we, as we know the culture, you know, the, the culture is shifting. As it's going a different direction, why is it going a different direction? Because we believe it's the heart of the Father. We believe it's God's heart. It's, it's not 
It's not somebody's bent or slant on something. It's not just this is the way we want to do it. But that our apostle is positioned before God the Father and is hearing from God the Father. And this is God's will for us as a body to move into this position. Amen? I, I, it's, in a culture that is Bible belt, it's easy to be around, be around the things of God so much to where everything becomes religious rhetoric to us. So when we talk to people or people talk to us, it always, it always turns into, honestly, it always comes around to some form of humanism where we all have it all right and you do your thing and I'll do my thing and we'll just all end up together in the same place and it's all real good and that's great. Y'all do y'all's version of what you want to do. I'm the only people, person that talks to people. Is that? No. Talk about, talk about, honestly, I was mowing grass this week, praise the Lord, and I'm talking to the, to a couple ladies who, uh, I love them, I just think I'm their only company, uh, so I'm trying to mow and get out of there quickly, and they have other plans, and, uh, <laughs> and they talk to me, and, and, and I thought it was interesting because Apostle Ray has taught us about the difference between hubs and churches, and I thought it was interesting how both of these wonderful ladies, their first question to me was, is the church growing? And then their response, it was so crazy, it's so crazy. Their response was, our church ain't growing. We got outreach. We got kids stuff. You should see our kids thing. People just aren't coming. The goal's different, right? The goal in the goal in a church is to gather people. Let's see how many people we can get and see how much we can expand with what we have and let's build a bigger building. Right? Not evil, not bad, different, different assignments. What, I, I'm, you know, I don't have this, I don't have this on firsthand knowledge, but I feel like I know the spirit of the person well enough to where if we fill this place up, we'll just, we'll just go 50 miles away and build another one and then send half of you there and then we'll build this one again as you build that one there. Because the goal is to equip, to, be, to, to get positioned under our fathers, to be, to be sons and daughters, to not be going out as orphans, but be going out as sons and daughters, equipped to release everything that's in us. To, to who? A lost and dying world that desperately needs Jesus. Right? Right? So the goal, the goal isn't just to, let's bring the lost and broken in here and set them down. And as they sit there, they'll get it. Through osmosis. But no, not, not just that. Will that happen? Yeah, absolutely. We believe that happens uh, to, to some extent. But that no, you get so full that you walk out of here and everywhere you go, you leak. So when you stumble upon somebody in Walmart's, in Walmart line, because there's 75 registers and four are open. So you're going to stand in line. As you're standing in line, the person behind you that's sick or the person behind you that, that has a messed up knee or a person behind you that, that, that just is struggling even to, to breathe well because they, they're not feeling well. You turn around and you can't help it. You just look at them and say, oh, you're infirmed. I have healing for you. So I leak. So people say, what happened? I just, I just leak. 
I didn't mean to. Sickness got around me and just healing just leaked out of me. Amen? Amen? That this is normal. This is normal. I'll say this and we'll get started. This one, the last lady that I was mowing, she has me bag all her grass. <sighs> and she's back talking to me and she's talking to me, her husband, uh, you know, he went on to be with the Lord and the whole thing. And we, and we start going into this thing of, well, if God doesn't heal, heal you here, he heals you there. And I just can't help it. I looked at her and went, I don't really believe that. And she just looked at me. But I've been very respectful, so she wanted to hear what I had to say. And I said, you don't need healing when you're in heaven. You have a glorified body. You need healing here. And you could tell she just kind of went. I can't really put my finger on it, but I feel something good about what you said. (laughs) And as we're talking, I just start talking kingdom stuff to her. And this lady who started this conversation with... You know, as long as it's the, as long as, as long as it's the Bible, it's the word of God, everything's, I'm like, I'm like, absolutely. If it's not the word of God, it's going to fall. It's going to, you know, all that, that was, but I, we get done and she, she looks at me and I don't know how, how old she is. She may be in her late fifties, early sixties, but she looks at me and she went, well, I know you got to finish mowing, but we need to have a date. She said, you need to come back and just let me pick your brain because you've given me a lot to think about. I just thought it was so cool. Just, just in one month, what happened? You just leak on people. Prophetic worship is releasing the sounds of heaven. Releasing the sounds of heaven. Their prophetic worship and new sounds are vital to the emerging move of God. There's been a, there's a shift from the house of Saul to the house of David. David gave birth to a new level of worship in his generation. The songs and the sounds of the Lord were part of his plans for cutting-edge battle. Cutting-edge battle when? In Moses' day when Miriam uh, sang a new song after the Israelites escaped the oppression of, of Egypt. That's in Exodus chapter 15. In Joshua's day, in, in Joshua chapter 6 in Jericho, as they, as they lifted up a loud shout and the walls came down. In Jehoshaphat's day, I can't, I can't help it when I think about Jehoshaphat. I can't help but, but, but go back to, to Eddie's song, Jehoshaphat's song. For the Lord is good, his mercy endureth forever and ever. Mm. I see, I feel it right there. It goes into, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, and his mercy endureth, come on, forever. And they, they sing in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and God sets ambushes. In David's day, whenever an evil spirit came upon Saul, David would play his prophetic worship and it would depart from Saul in first, in first Samuel chapter 16. That, that, that King Saul is being tormented and David would just begin to play. And as he worshiped, it released something into the atmosphere that would drive out that tormenting spirit. After David killed Goliath, that, that no, no, you know, no other woman had, I mean, no other uh, warrior had been able to do. The, the, the women sang in 1 Samuel chapter 18, Saul has slain his thousands and David his 
ten thousands. That popular worship chorus in his day. David has slain his ten thousands. We won't get into it, but Saul didn't like that song very much. Um, Okay, you missed it. Okay, great. Hello. Uh, David understood the power of prophetic worship uh, probably better than anyone. He raised up a, a actual prayer and, and worship uh, and intercession model uh, that we now call the Tabernacle of David. He filled his kingdom with God's glory 24-7. I, I, I got the privilege in 2007, 2008 to be on staff at uh, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. And I, I got to be an uh, intercessory missionary for a whole year. And 24 hours out of my week was in the prayer room. Before the Lord, taking my place in my sacred charge on the wall, as we would contend, and we'd do two-hour sets of worship with the word and two-hour sets of intercession. And I, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I have the numbers right because the years have, I'm getting older. And it used to be 10 to 12 years, but I, I know I'm older than what it was when I said it. So I think it's about 16, 17 years now that worship and, and prayer and intercession has not stopped. 24-7. On and on. Continually before the Lord. Continually before the Lord. Knowing that as they're doing it, they're actually... The goal is that we actually become people as Gentiles who provoke the Jews to jealousy... As, as we do this before the Lord and they see us and they go, that looks like the miracles of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Something looks really reminiscent of that. That in doing that, they look at that and they say, hold on. This looks like the miracles of our God. And as we do that, we're actually hastening the day of the Lord and the return of the Lord. Isn't that good? Right? You can't, you can't sustain 24-7 prayer and worship for 16 to 17 years if you don't believe that you're doing something that impacts eternity. No song is that good. Hello? That, that you're connecting with that. That in 1 Chronicles chapter 23 and 5, uh, that David, he set it up where there were 4,000 gatekeepers. He had 4,000 singers and 4,000 musicians to offer praises to the Lord with instruments. Think about that. Think about that. I know, I know we consider the biblical day to be something that's like, it's just so different than our day. They had the same type of junk that we had. They just didn't have electricity. <laughs> they got in the same kind of trouble. Hello? Come on. They, they, they had the same type of anger. It's just... The cops couldn't catch them <laughs> when they did it. That in that type of day, just like a, that in that, when people had jobs, when people had to take care of, 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 of fields and they had to take care of their cat, they had to take care of all of their livestock, that if they didn't do that, they couldn't go to Walmart. Right? That in that type of day, with, with responsibility, that there were 4,000 skilled musicians, 4,000 skilled singers to offer praises to the Lord with instruments. Why, Jay, why do, you, why do you make a point to say that? Because it's a big deal. 
It wasn't, it wasn't just something small. And people, I, I, people act like worship, that to be a man who's engaged in worship, I think, not in this church, but I think a lot of places, people see men that, in, that, that engage in worship and, and be, begin to dance before the Lord and, and begin to, to cry in his presence and begin to touch his presence, that they see men like that as limp-wristed, who are a little effeminate. But I think of David. His hands were so bloody he couldn't build the temple. We're talking about a man. I mean, this is a dude. <laughs> huh? That this man who, who, who understood violence, who understood what it meant to kill a bear, kill a lion, who, under, who, under, who understood these types of things? Who, 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 who understood what it meant to kill a dude that's almost 10 feet tall? They cut that joker's head off. Huh? That this man said, we, what, 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 what's on the heart of God? Uh, that we would lift up praise and worship to him continually. The Holy Spirit reminds us in Acts chapter 15, verses 16 and 17, that after this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. So the question is, what is prophetic worship? Exactly what is prophetic worship? Simply it's singing and playing instruments and ministering under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Prophetic worship is singing, playing instruments, and ministering under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In prophetic worship, we release new sounds and new songs. Apostle Ray's been talking to us about how we, we want to sing the songs of our faith. We want to sing the songs that, that other people have 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 written and that and they're incredible songs like tonight i wanted to sing that song fullness and i'll tell you why in just a moment uh incredible songs but there's something different whenever you get the dna of your house and you begin to declare something that came from the dna of your house puts me in the mind of a father over a household i can go to your house and I can declare things over your house. And when I leave, those things that, that may be going this direction, they have no response. Maybe while I was there, they have to, they have to stop. But when I leave, I wasn't, I'm, not, I'm not in charge. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the one who's in control there. But if a father in his house gets up and takes authority and begins to declare something over his house, everything that's contrary to the will of the father in the house has to move. So it's powerful when we begin to get, I'm excited. I'm excited for us to sit down and have writing sessions where we, we just say, God, what, what are you saying? What are you saying? What do you want us to sing? Right? That things that were birthed, you, you guys love my kids, but you love your individual ones more. All the other babies are pretty. But ain't no, baby, ain't no baby's prettier than your baby. 
Why? Because it's yours and you gave birth to that. And we're going to give birth to a sound. Ah, That's good. I'll say it for you. Yeah, that's good, Jared. That's good. You should preach right there. That's good. My mom sent me a text right before worship started. And she said, preach him happy. (laughs) We're working on it, mom. We're working on it. Um, (laughs) In its purest form, prophetic worship reflects God's glory in us so that others can see and know his love. Prophetic worship connects our hearts with the heart of of God the Father. Uh, The Holy Spirit, a prophetic spirit, always exalts Jesus. Spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, right? In the same way, prophetic worship exalts Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you a few things. We've got 13, 13 things here, and it's not... These aren't, this isn't, this isn't an exhaustive list, but these are just some things. Number one, prophetic worship can do any or one of these 13 things. Number one, it can release and reveal the heart of the Father. Two, it can capture a moment of adoration and lift it higher. You've been in one of those moments whenever things are going on in worship or the the person who's ministering that night, they, they, they're speaking on something and the worship team will happen to catch the spirit of what's being taught and, and, and sing that, I don't know if they say it, but sing that right song. And it, it just emphasizes and it's like, it's like the word, the worship had happened and the ground's been tilled and now the seed has been planted and that right song at the end just waters everything down. To where that, that seed can, can already start getting nutrition. Three, it can release impartations from God. Four, it can break open the heavens over a people and over a territory. I'm excited about that right there. Because I believe that we have territories that we're supposed to dominate. Oh, Jared, dominate, that's an aggressive term. Yes, and from the days of John until now, the kingdom of heaven had suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. That I, that I can see as we connect with, with, with our heavenly father and get these songs and get, get the sound from him, that it's actually going to begin to do things over territories. I love this one. It can release healing power. I forgot about this and I was, until I was telling this lady who was, I'm bagging her grass. I, 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 I forgot about being, I was in Johnson City, Tennessee, and we did Sunday morning service and I preached and, and we had a, a great move of God that morning and that night we were doing a pastor's appreciation. And as we're doing the pastor's appreciation, while I'm singing, um, and I'm actually playing another Eddie James song. I can never repay you, love, for what you've done for me. How you lose my shackles and you set me free. Come, come, come on. Come on, white people. I, <laughs> how you made a way out of no way. No? Okay, great. <laughs> you listen to some gospel people. Um, as I'm playing that, the pastor's father-in-law in the back of the church falls out of his chair and dies. 
This will mess up a dinner party. Seriously, the whole thing. Seriously, died in the back, lost his bowels, the whole thing, he's gone. They're trying to keep calm. People are rushing around, and the pastor looks at me and he says, Start singing. So I just start declaring life, and I start singing in this moment. I didn't even think about it till just now. I actually started singing a prophetic song. I just started declaring and singing over him. This, whole, this man's entire family at the hospital, the people that were you know, gone from, his entire family came to know the Lord because as we were singing over him, he came back to life in the back of the church. And the whole family... His family that wasn't even at the church. What happened? Prophetic worship releases healing power. Mm. Mm. You need healed? Let's work. Getting some prophetic worship. You know what's awesome about being healed in prophetic worship? It's really awesome because nobody normally touches you. I love, I love those moments whenever it's God touched me. Nobody had a word. Nobody had a, I was worshiping him and he touched me. Amen? Prophetic worship can push back and break the power of the enemy. Number seven, it can release deliverance and breakthrough. Break, it can prepare hearts to receive the word of God. You know, the, 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 the songs aren't at the beginning of the service just because we, we can't figure out a better way. I like knowing why we do what we do. I don't like to feel like I'm a mouse that's running around in a really nice cage. And I've been taught really good things and, 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 and I, I just, I, I do my order the way I'm supposed to do my order. I like knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing. That as we're doing worship and as we're lifting up praise to him and as we're getting in a prophetic flow of worship, that it is actually preparing hearts to receive the word of God. Number nine, that it, it's, we sing forth the redemptive plans of God and the love of the Father. Number ten, we release the sounds of the Lord. And I want to, I want to, on this one I have some, I wrote this down. I want to, in connection with number ten, that we release the sounds of the Lord. Every time creativity occurs, God reveals another facet of his nature. Every time creativity occurs, God reveals another facet of his nature. That's a quote from Ray Hughes. Every time creativity occurs, God reveals another facet. He said, Jerry, why are you connecting it right there? Because we release the sounds of the Lord. And I would like to say this, that if we are a people that are going to see what's not being seen and hear what's not been heard, then we're going to have to position ourselves to begin to hear things that have never been spoken. I'm not, I'm not, please don't, please don't think I'm a heretic and that I'm, I'm saying that there needs to be another book. Okay? I, I, I'm not trying to add anything or take anything away from the Bible. But you know God's still speaking to man? 
And he's not just speaking to him about what he spoke to him before. So there's things new, things that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. I would have never, 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 I would have never rapped in a worship service before. Never. Never. <laughs> I'm serious. It just would have been, it would have been, it would have been, no, no, no. God is not pleased. But I, I feel him pulling me into areas of creativity that are outside of what's normal for me. Can I, can I say this? I love Bethel. I love Hillsong. I love Elevation. I love it. I love it. But I can't, can, I, can I tell you that there's a sound that has to come out of this place that's going to sound different than those places because that worship is not impacting this place like it's impacting the places they are. Right? That there's going to there's going to be a creative expression that every demographic of people are going to sit and go, "Hmm. Hey, you know, you're not going to get really, really skilled and incredible musicians to become a part of something if all you ever play is four chords with a minor. Those of you that don't know anything about music, that's just really, really simple songs that you can play with a guitar, just a couple chords. Powerful in and of their own right. But you're not going to reach all demographics of people by just getting in your nice song and just... Hmm. We want, we, want, we want creativity. You see, I, I, and I've seen, and I don't want to get stuck here, but I've, I've seen people, and, and they mean well, but they take secular music, and they put Christian lyrics to it, and they call that cutting edge. It's called plagiarism. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not beating up on that. I'm not beating up on that, okay? But I don't want to take... What the world has done a few years later with half as much money and because I'm not connected to the Father to get creativity and creative ideas that I copy melodies that the world has because I think everybody's going to know it and then just put some Christian lyrics on it. It's kind of like at Vacation Bible School. Of Who wants candy? And Jesus. Does that make sense? It really hit my heart when I was at the house of prayer. Because I began to understand, at the end of the age, can I teach you something? At the end of the age, God is going to be doing the tabernacle of David and raising up a worship movement. Hello? But at the same time, do you know that Satan is raising up a worship movement? One thing I cannot do, I can take the words out of a song and add my words to it. But I cannot remove the spirit by which the song was created in. 
So I can put my lyrics in it. Oh, I feel God all over this. I can put my lyrics in it, but if the song was so full of lust and talking degrading about women and I had Christian things on top of it, it's not going to release hope and love into a room. It's going to release something into the room that actually begins to feel sensual. Why are, you, why are you hammering that, Jared? Because God is going to release things for creativity in us so that we can take and get the pulse and the DNA and what's going on in a region. And as we release things, it's going to snap things in a region. It's going to snap things in territories. We get to see him in ways that no other generation has ever seen him. Think about that. We get to see him in ways that no other generation has ever seen him. Releasing the sounds of that number 11, it brings, we bring forth new sounds. I tied that in with 10 and 11. Number 12, loose revival fire and glory. 13, prepare hearts. For life-changing encounters with God. I, I was writing some things down. And I put prophetic worship. And if you can see my notes beside it, I put, why does it matter? Because that's the way I think. I don't want to just teach something that's something that, that, that's like, this is good, I've learned it, let's do No, wh- why? You know God's not afraid of you asking Why? With respect, don't, I, I wouldn't, I mean, he loves you, and you're, you're probably not going to die, but I wouldn't go poking him, you know, with disrespect. <laughs> it's just not, it's not the best way. It's probably not a good look for you to go that direction um, <laughs> to him. But he's not, he's not afraid. He's not, he's not upset when a group of people say, God, why? Why do I do this? So I put this, why? Why does it matter? And I, I, I want to I go to a story in, in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Can you grab your Bible? I have this iPad here. It's got my notes on it. But I like the paper ones. And I like, my, I like going to my Bible. It's just, I'll learn it. Maybe I still have the fear of my earthly father where he said, go ahead and use your iPad, but if it goes dead and you don't know what to say. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 10. Are you guys getting anything tonight? We're going to release a sound and, and, and I think I'll get close to getting through this, but we're, we're not rushing. We're not rushing. I'm excited because tonight we're going to release the sound together. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Are you there? First Samuel, first Sam, Samuel, not Samuel, Samuel. First Samuel chapter 10. Verse 5. This is Samuel talking to Saul. He says, and after that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen that when you have come there to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets 
coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Now, some other translations actually say a band of prophets. So, so get this. Samuel is talking to Saul. He says, come down off the hill. You're going to run to a band. They're going to play music. Look at the next verse. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them. What's this say? And be turned into another man. So you're going to go down. You're going to run to a band. They're going to have instruments. They're going to prophesy, and you're going to become another man. Is this not an incredible picture of what prophetic worship will do for a generation of people? Well, how do you know it was prophetic worship? Because they're a band of prophets. Huh? These aren't parking lot prophets. This is a band. This is the first band. First band of prophets. And they start start playing. And he, he becomes a new man. Another man. Back to my question. Why does it matter? Because there's a whole generation of people that need to be transformed into another man. You know, I've never met a drug addict who says, I love how I am. I used to not have compassion until I found myself a decade ago crying myself to sleep, flushing drugs down the toilet, and the next day before I woke up, I had no idea what I had done, and I already had it again. You know, I never sat in that condition, and I know Brother Ray would say the same thing. Never sat in that condition and said, boy, I like who I am. I, I, I just, I don't want to be changed into a new man. I never did that. No, not, not once. I wanted to be different. I didn't want to be controlled. And the, there's a generation of people that don't want to be controlled. They don't want to be broke anymore. They don't want to be abusive anymore. They don't want to have everything going right in their day and everything's good and then it's all of a sudden something happens. A trigger bursts up and because of things that have been come down from their generational line, as a dad, they end up making the whole atmosphere toxic for the rest of their family with anger. I've never, I've never, I've never ran into a situation where I found some where a woman says, I just don't, I just don't, I, I, I like not feeling loved. I like not feeling as though I'm important. Triggers. And these things are, they, people are starving for the real and the authentic. They're starving for it. And that, that's why they don't care if it comes through Allah in their minds. They don't care if it comes through Buddha. Give me authentic. The thing is, is we're the only ones that have the authentic. They can conjure up their best counterfeit, but we have the authentic. And if I can steal a quote from another church, we owe the world an encounter with God. We owe the world an encounter with God. Why? Because as we begin to get into this place of prophetic worship, and we begin to release the sound out of this house, this sound 
is going to go out and people are going to be changed into other people. That's good. Yes, Jared, that's really good. Anna Paula Valadeo, she's an award-winning worship artist and founder of the ministry uh, Before Your Throne. She says, we not only sing worship songs to God, but we also sing our prayers, especially prayer for the healing of our nation. We sing songs that cry out for healing and restoration of our families, our government, our economy. These songs often precede a regional move of God and they break open and release heavenly realms. At, a, at, at times during prophetic worship, you can actually feel God singing over you. I, I, I can't help it, but, but what, was, what was put into me it, it, as, as I'm studying this just keeps coming out. As I think about being at the house of prayer and singing songs uh, and developing choruses... If you've, if you've never been around it, you, I don't know if you guys remember the song. It, it, Misty Edwards, have you guys ever heard of her? She had a song that was uh, in it. She started going, people get ready. Jesus is coming. People get, and then she went into this part where it says, people walking around with their fingers in their ears singing, da-da-da-da-da. I don't want to hear the sound of the coming king. Did you guys ever hear this? Okay. What's really cool about that, I actually have these recordings. What's really cool is those songs were written over a span of months. Where? In the presence of the Lord, in two-hour sets, where they developed, and all of a sudden, one singer would start antiphonally singing a line. And the line would have something on it. Can't explain it to you if you've not been in it. It's hard to, to, to put it into words, but it has life on it. It's a line that has life on it, right? And then they take that line, and over the next few months, when they come back in and they do that set again, and they sing over that scripture again, they begin to ask God again. And those songs are powerful, not because somebody just stopped and got a song, but because in the presence of the Lord, with prayer and intercession going, they sang it over and over and over again. One thing I found when I came back from the house of prayer to, to my dad's church is people, number one, didn't understand me singing in the spirit. That was odd to them. <laughs> and then they, they would look at me and go, why do you sing it so much? Why do you sing, what, sing another song? Why do you repeat something over and over? The reason I repeat it over and over it was because of my time being there in the prayer room. And I would sing a song, Okay. So let's just say I was singing the song that we're singing tonight, Tongues of Fire, Testifying of the Son. I would actually sing that to where I began to sing pray. That I have tongues of fire. I'm testifying of the Son. That I'm, that I'm actually saying, Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. Speak revival. Prophesy like it is done. That I say it over and over to where I'm saying, I speak revival. And your prayer, your, your, your singing actually turns into a prayer. 
Father, I speak, as I'm singing, speak revival. Then I say, God, I, just, I speak revival. I speak revival. And you begin to, you begin to expand. I declare God revival. I, I, come into a, I come into agreement with this song that's coming from your heart. That, that I declare revival is coming out of my mouth. That I'm prophesying like it's done. That I'm declaring that this thing's done. So it's not just I sang a good song. It's like, oh, that felt good. No, I sang it until my spirit connected with my mouth. At times of prophetic worship, you can feel God singing over you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with his goodness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Prophetic worship plays a vital role in establishing culture. It's about as far as we're going to get tonight. At least one third of our corporate worship experience should be a prophetic flow. At least one third. Should be a prophetic flow. You say, Jared, why is that? Well, it's not my idea. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. One third of our worship should be spontaneous. One third. I don't have time. We'll get it next week. But I'll, I'll say this. You know, the weight is in the weight. The weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, is in the weight, W-A-I-T. The weight of what? The glory of God. Now, I will say this, and, and I'll jump into it more next week. Um, I have found... That when I position myself to where nothing else is, is taking precedence. And Father, we are here to meet with you. And it's a whole corporate assembly of people that are engaged after God. I can't explain it. I, if I could take you back and put you in these moments at the ramp about eight years ago. I can't, the, the expectation was tangible. You know why things happen incredible in, in revivals when the whole world comes to a place and has revival and it's like, wow, they're having amazing things happening. You know why that happens? Because of the expectation. Really. Nobody sings that good. Nobody preaches that good. Right? It's the expectation in the presence of God that has rested in a place. It's the presence of God that rests in that place. But what I found is that when I position myself that way, and a group of people positions themselves that way, it's normally the first song. It feels like a bomb was dropped in the spirit. I can't explain it. But I found that if I treat it as though I'm just singing songs, you can find yourself having to sing 45 50 minutes, an hour, hour and a half to get to where there's a group of people that have gotten, I'm, terrible, 
English. Ms. Smith, don't, don't get me. <laughs> a group of people that have been able to remove themselves from everything that's going on and connect with God the Father in worship to where now there's an atmosphere that has been set. What happens in those, those atmospheres? The weight came through the weight. When we get a culture and we establish a culture of prophetic worship, then we're not just excited to get to the next song or get to the song that we say is anointed. You know really what the song that we say anointed is? It's our preference. And it's okay to have your preference. I'll say this and then we're going we're gonna to make a sound. When I came here, I was talking to Rob and Leah, and I said, you know what my heart is? What songs do you like to do? What songs do you like to do? Let's do that. What songs are fun to you? And because I've led worship in this region, this area for a while, I know how to put a set list together to pull everybody together. You give me a red back and see what happens. I can see, honestly, that's all I grew up on. Boy, you put me in a boom chuck and a two, four, we're good. I mean, just over in the glory, pick one. I can go with you. And I can move people's emotions and preferences very well to where they go, that was great. And you honestly, that was my heart when I first stepped in, in, into this place. Because I know, I know worship had been such a divisive thing at times. And that's, honestly, I remember talking to, uh, uh, to, to Marcia and Shelby in the back, doing a video, talking about what my heart was. And just wanting people to feel included to where you know that, that you're thought about. And then Pastor Ray, Apostle Ray, spoke a message about the sound in the heavens. And I began to understand and I've, I've learned that it's not just whether or not people grab a hold of a song because it, it touched them just right and it was their, their, their genre. But it's am I releasing a sound that will break things and move things in an atmosphere? So it switched from wanting to make everybody happy into God, what do you want to release over a group of people? Did you say that? Don't be mad at me. Be mad at God. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, no, I'm not really joking at all. But, but my heart is to connect with God. Because if we connect with God, what do you want to hear? What do you want to release? I have never been in an atmosphere where the presence of God rested in a place and people left there and went, well, that third song just wasn't my flavor. I'm honest. I'm not being ugly. Seriously. Most of the time when that happens, people leave and they're at Denny's or they're at IHOP or whatever, and they're sitting there. And people can say, what'd they sing? And they're like, I don't know. It was good. Why? Oh, because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Because his presence is so satisfying that I went in there one way and I'm leaving feeling completely different. 
Why? Because the prophetic sound was lifted up. Begin to shatter things. And you were able to connect with God the Father without the hindrances. That's what prophetic worship begins to do. Now, we'll fi- I'll finish this next week. But for right now, take your Bibles. You can zip them up. Put them down. Stand up. We got two minutes. So we're going to make a sound. And then I'm going to let you go. Well, I'm going to give the, the microphone to the Apostle Ray. And then he'll let you go. Do you guys, um, you know what? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Can you do this? Okay. Okay. Stop. Stop. Okay. 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 Here we go. Okay. All right. Here's that sound. We're going to not, not in a rhythm, not in a rhythm at all, but just you begin, and I'm not going to stop, but I just want you to begin to. If I can, can I get everybody to participate with me? If you can, if you can't, can't play, don't, don't do it. Okay. Keep going, keep going, keep going. You're not just, you're actually releasing a sound of rain. Close your eyes. Come on, keep going, don't stop on me. What do you hear? Who's releasing the sound? Come on, keep going. There wasn't a sound of rain in the room. But you began to connect with something. Keep going, please. You began to connect with something. And now you are releasing a sound. Keep doing it one more time. I'm going to stop talking. I just want you to keep your eyes closed and listen. What did you just do? You began to release a sound. Sound that sounds like nothing. But when a corporate group of people all begin to do something together, we can actually create the sound of rain. It's not just rain. It's a prophetic declaration of rain. Because you created the sound. Amen? Is that good? All right.